I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Monday, January 11th, 2021, and it is time, diggity donks, for Morning Combat. Hi, everybody. It is Fight Week right here on the MK Show. Uh, My name is Luke Thomas from CBS Sports, one half of your hosting duo. I am joined by the gentleman on the other side of the screen who can only be accurately called the MacGyver of microphones, (laughs) my friend and yours, Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian. Yes, I, I I am sick with the stick, as they like to say, Luke. That's indeed right. Uh, welcome, Luke. Another show, another week. Fights are back, as you mentioned. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. Uh, you know, after round a little bit, relax maybe. Uh, I don't know how big you are, Luke, on on stress reduction. You seem to cling to conflict, but I hope you had a good one just the same. Yeah, I'm the guy who clings to conflict, says the guy who's being passive-aggressive. Yes, my weekend was fine. I did a lot of things. <laughs> no, idea, okay. no idea what you're talking about there. Uh, are we going to be able to get through this show today without your microphone disintegrating like cotton candy in a toddler's well, mouth? Well, I blame, I blame one Jay Aaron for his shoddy production skills and mailing this concoction to me, Luke. But if it does break, I'll just handhold it like I do uh, you through much of the show. But let's do it, Luke. I'm ready. I'm passively, aggressively aggressive. So let's do it. Yes. You certainly are. All right. Uh, as always, we have a lot to get to today. It is fight week. Uh, the UFC has been off for a while, but things go back to normal, sort of, uh, this Saturday. So we will talk about that card and, of course, get you ready for that card throughout the course of this week. We'll start things off today. we got some McGregor updates. We've got some Diaz Brothers updates. we got some Broner updates um, and a whole lot more. Okay, uh, video. Give it a thumbs up. Hit the subscribe button. Tell a friend about the show. Yeah, word of mouth. Best advertising in the world. So spread the message if you can. You want some sweet merch like Brian Campbell has with that reservoir tip on his head? You can go to show.store.com and get plenty of MK merch over there. Uh, so check that out. You want to try very Showtime. Mas- very Masvidalian of me, Luke. I, I, you you look a little backstage Leon Edwards at the moment. If I could only reach you with the three-piece. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, which you would never do. But let's also remind folks that they can get Showtime. Showtime.com. 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, uh, you can go pound sand. And uh, what else am I missing here, BC? We got... Uh, did I give all the housekeeping up front? I haven't done this in seven hours. I think you did a fa- fantastic job. Uh, we also have Jay Aaron, the producer, back. Jay, back off. Oh, Do right. not come on screen yet. Uh, you know, uh, he'll be back later in the show. Have you seen the shit? He will be addressing uh, the unforgivable. The footage has leaked of his uh, 90s attempt at uh, shameless fame that uh, went belly up. But uh, it, it will be great to hear from him. Uh, he's got a lot of explaining to do after Luke eviscerated him. So we'll see what happens later. In the show. Yes, he certainly does. We'll, we'll do that during the Have You Seen This Shit segment of the show. But let's get things started if we can. As I mentioned, 
you know, uh, uh, when there's fights, you know, nearly 50 weeks out of the 52 weeks in the calendar year, saying that it's fight week doesn't necessarily have the greatest impact in the world. But we have been off for a while. The UFC returns to action this Saturday with a card headlined by Max Holloway taking on Calvin Cater. I believe it's going to be UFC on ABC One. Again, there's other pieces to this card, other dimensions to this fight, in fact, that we will get to throughout the course of the week. But BC, let's start the week off with this consideration. This is a fight at featherweight. You have Max Holloway coming off of a loss, a very disputed one, to Volkanovski. Meanwhile, Calvin Cater just recently beating uh, Jeremy Stevens and Dan Ige. Red hot, never been hotter. So let's talk about it from both sides of the fence here, but start with the former champion. What would it mean for the 145-pound division for Max Holloway to win on Saturday? Uh, look, I, I, it would be huge because I think he's getting this opportunity, which is the main event, the A-side of a ABC show, which is the kickoff, as we mentioned, to two weeks of huge fights, UFC back on the map. They took one of their hard and true company favorites in Max Holloway, who's still in his prime, in his peak of his prime here. Let's not forget that. Luke, this gives him an opportunity to get a big win that he needs coming off of the losses to Volkanovski, but... I think to do it in a way that that could leap him right back to the front of the line. You're not again. You're not going to put him in this showcase if you're the UFC to rein in rein in casuals or rein in you know ha- haphazard outside the mold fans if he doesn't get a title shot afterwards with a victory. And obviously we know Volkanovski has the belt. Ortega probably next, but. Max still has a bit of unfinished business when you consider how close those two losses were to Volkanovski. If anyone sort of deserves a trilogy and a series in which he's lost the first two, it's seemingly Max. He's been a company guy through and through. He's not over the hill yet. Uh, there's still time, Luke, 10-20-21, uh, where, we, where we started, you know, uh, back, in, back in the previous years with Max on top. So this is a nice close-up opportunity to prove that he's still elite. And please, try to talk me out of any scenario that doesn't end with a title shot if he wins here. You know, it's funny. I was looking up the ages because Calvin Cater is sort of sitting just outside the top five. I believe he is sitting at number six in the rankings. Again, for whatever that is worth, I think that's right. Yeah, he's sitting at six. So I was looking up Chan Sung Jung, Ayer Rodriguez, Magomed Sharapov, Ortega, and Holloway. Now, I don't know how old Rodriguez is. Let's see here very quickly. Ayer Rodriguez is 28 years old, which would make him the youngest. But Max Holloway, only 29. Calvin Cater... Actually, 32, so you would not, you'd be getting fresh blood in the division with Cater, which we'll talk about in just a second, but you would not necessarily be getting somebody um, younger. You would not be having this sort of youth movement of this natural turnover that happens. So what happens if Max Holloway wins, BC? I have to tell you this. I don't know exactly what the UFC is going to do, but I, I, when you said he has unfinished business, if you asked Volkanovsky that, I don't think he would agree. If you asked a lot of people that who are maybe just casual observers, I don't know what the temperature is on that. But I have to tell you, I agree with you. I think there kind of is. And I would also say this. Max made a dramatic improvement between the first and second fights. By the way, some people think he won the first one. I don't think that's really all that fair. But there are some out there. Second one, highly disputed because Max was able to make serious adjustments. I actually interviewed Eugene Behrman after the second fight. And he was saying that he was blown away at how good... Um, their adjustments and his team was. In fact, what he said was that the Gracie Technics guys and Max's team, they're the most underrated team maybe in all of MMA, that they are incredibly intelligent and no one seems to realize just how good they are. I wonder, I really, truly wonder, if you had a third crack at the guy, given how improved you were from the first to second fights, there's a decent reason to believe that he could even 
like even if you thought he won the second one, win the third one outright. More to the point, if he sticks around there and he beats Calvin Cater, I mean, I realize that Ortega is kind of up next for Volkanovski, given his win over the Korean Zombie, so you kind of have to do that. But I just feel like you couldn't deny the guy at that point. You'd be having somebody in Calvin Cater who is absolutely no doubt about it, red hot. If Max Holloway stops him, who else is he supposed to fight? Rodriguez or Sharapov? Both of those guys don't seem to be, I don't know, actively really making a case that they're the next one to, to, to get a chance at the, at the champion. And last thing I'd say on this, BC, uh, if I may, Volkanovski's style is incredibly hard to defeat. He does a lot of things in the modern way for best practices that are just incredibly difficult to overcome. And if he goes up against someone who's really overmatched, they're going to get bludgeoned. But if he goes up against somebody who's also good at sort of managing the round and the risk, you're going to get a lot of what you've been getting, which is a lot of just long decisions, whether that's against Aldo, whether that's against Max twice. Obviously, he ran through Chad Mendes after having a little bit of difficulty early. But I'm telling you, like his style is not necessarily built for the kind of action that I think the UFC prefers. It's built to be just insanely difficult to solve. I wonder if they might also want to reinstall Max Holloway, if at all possible, back into championship kind of position. Uh, they do, Luke. He's the biggest brand in the division. So that would make a lot of sense that they would want to do that. But I want to couple that with a lot of the points you just said. He's still in the in his prime. He really is. I mean, look, you made a great point about Volkanovski. If he can if he can beat you at chess while you're playing checkers, he's going to beat you. But what can he do given his size deficiencies against the very elite when you're even with him? And I think in that rematch, Max Holloway proved to us that his IQ is on that level. He's of that super elite cerebral level. I don't need to watch the, real, the rematch 49 times to see that. So when you are able to cancel that out, I certainly like Max's physical advantages. Maybe that's why I liked him in that very close fight. Although credit to Volkanovski in the rematch for rallying, making a you know being adaptable and all that. Um, it's going to be fun to see how this division plays out. Whether Ortega gets that chance and beats Volkanovski, or whether we end up uh, in a trilogy bout with Max here. And obviously, we're that would be saying a lot in, in looking past Calvin Cater's you know full on chance here to to get a win coming in as the underdog this is a very good fight let's not look past that but i think if you believe in fighting karma at all luke you got to believe max kind of deserves a third crack in a situation that is just not normal no one gets a third chance at a guy they lost to twice but let's not forget how long he had to prove himself in this division just to get a title shot i mean the guy was never ending amount of wins in a row uh having to beat everybody just to get to that point he was a fun champion he was a great champion we know he'd be willing to uh come out of nowhere and, and fill in the hole at 223 against habib he'd be willing to do anything so i think he's going to get this opportunity in part in part because of that luke he's going to get a good receipt here for the goodwill done as a top elite fighter all right so let's now change the equation calvin cater Guy who does interviews, but not necessarily super outspoken, not necessarily, uh, I'm sure he's an interesting guy, but doesn't try to be, you know, Mr. Charisma, tries to be professional, tries to go about his day, has some of the best pure boxing in the division, a little bit of a slow starter, but once he gets going, man alive, he is a handful what happens if he wins for 145, BC? Well, well, look, there's obviously, again, I always put this in there. There's different kinds of wins. I mean, if he came out and, you know, <laughs> stopped Max Holloway, then you're like, we have to recalibrate what's possible next. But 
If he got a win, got a strong upset win, I think, though, because of where he's coming from, because this is a pretty top-heavy division, there's big names here, there's the whole Zabit elephant in the room who hasn't fought in a while, too, I think this would just get him access to the upper room at Featherweight at 145, the true elite. He would get a big fight off of it, but he wouldn't necessarily be in the title conversation because Ortega's there, you gotta do something big with Zabit. This is a, you know, all those guys you mentioned as well, Korean Zombie, Yair Rodriguez, this is a very good division. I think it would get him into there, but he's certainly not going to cut the pack unless you do something dramatic. Yeah, I mean, if he, you're right, if he goes in there and just bludgeons Max, right, which I don't necessarily think is the likeliest outcome, but stranger things have happened, I suppose. But if he does that, then he might just jump everybody. But if he doesn't, there, we mentioned he's sitting at six. Now, granted, inside that top five is Chan Sung Jung, who just had something of a overmatched, languid performance against Brian Ortega. So, okay, you leapfrog him. That's fine. I think he's sitting at five. But you're right. You got uh, Magomed Sharapov sitting in there. You got Yair Rodriguez sitting in there. Brian Ortega's already got uh, dibs on it. So you got a few Bro, names Josh ahead Emmett. of you. you got Josh Emmett there. Uh, yeah, isn't he, isn't he injured again? I could be yes, wrong about but that. He'll, fight, he'll walk again someday. I mean, the, you know, he'll fight again. He, I right. mean, he's and coming I, off a huge win. And he's probably the most underrated guy in that division. At least Calvin Cater... Fight Island, if they did anything for the guy, it would sort of prove that he's ready to take a step up in competition, this being the, this being the reward, so to speak, for all the work that he's done. Emmett has a little bit more to go um, in terms of that recognition after the Shane Burgos fight and some of the other spectacular things that he's done. But if he would do it, it would change the division in a way where Max is kind of a, you know, it's, it's hard to call Max a roadblock exactly at 145 um, because... You know, while Ortega is going to get the title shot, there's not exactly a clear line of contendership after that. There's contenders, but as I mentioned, Sharapov, Megabed Sharapov, and Rodriguez, not exactly going out there and really banging the door down to prove that they should be next. Still, if you got him removed, and so now Cater, even if he doesn't replace that position, it would take away a, a future potential problem. Because here's the other thing you have to consider. What if Max has a third fight with Volkanovski and that one is equally controversial where it's some kind of split decision where Max maybe wins, but now people are just outraged because maybe he shouldn't have. Are you going to redo that one over and over again? I have a feeling that every time Holloway and Volkanovski fight to the extent that there are subsequent contests, they're all going to be really kind of dicey. They're going to be a little bit back and forth, hard to parse. Um, everything you've seen, just a little bit more of that. And so you really get a, a problem removed, so to speak, if you're able to get a guy who's got that kind of relationship with the existing champion, push him out of the way, and now you can sort of really open the spigot and get that kind of thing going again. It does change the division in that way, but I do think you also lose, as you indicated, the biggest brand at 145 currently. Luke, this discussion to open the show has really uh, become a de facto uh, state of the union for this division as a whole. So I have a question and a statement to close here. Which one do you want first, Luke? Give me your statement first. All right. I I've done the math. I've watched video. I've gotten out the slide rule. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've, uh, I've watched fights in black and white with no sound. I've streamed, uh, streamed them covered in peanut butter. Uh, Zabit Magomed Sharapov is the best fighter at 145 pounds. Just gonna let you know that it's a statement. Okay, that's a that's a ridiculous statement, but okay. Luke, I'm not sure it's not though. Does he have to prove that? Yes, he's gonna have to prove it, and he's maybe a, a big win away from a title shot in doing just that. But can can you can you not no sell me? Can you look at the same figures I have, Luke, and and, and deduce that that there's 
somebody out there more talented than him potentially once he does get to that title? Yeah, level? somebody who can fight affirmatively five rounds. So you're going to use round three against Cater against him until he proves you wrong. Is that I'm going to use the with? fact that Cater was putting it on him in round three. If okay. that one was five rounds, it's a virtual guarantee I think Cater would have won. Luke, is that a little bit like using rounds four and five of the Ayakinta fight against against uh, Habib negatively or using round one against of Michael Johnson against Habib as, as something to cling to and not seeing the full picture? Luke, I don't want you to be the last to know, as Brittany once said. Yeah, I've done tape study on Megabit Sharapov. He is very talented. I would not, I don't think he's earned the position he's in, uh, you know, fraudulently. He's very, very good. But there are major, major red flags about the longevity of what he can do, about his inability to be a finisher against the top that guys like Cater, I think, have much more effectively answered, even if in a three round contest he didn't I quite don't have know about that, Luke. I think he's better than Cater. I think he hit a little bit of a wall. It was a it was a look, Jose Aldo Mark round five, Mark Hominick's eyeball coming out of his head. Didn't look great in that one round. Still a great fighter all around that, Luke. It was, it was a moment he needed. We'll have that debate for another day when Zabit finally shows it to us. And no, this isn't rooted in if you got an Abe Lincoln and you look like you're from Dagestan, root for this guy. He's probably going to win the title. But in this case, it's true. My question, though, Luke, is we talk about, okay, what happens here for Calvin Cater if he wins or loses? If he loses... How long until Bryce Mitchell enters this conversation and effectively becomes the new Calvin Cater who's on the verge of proving to us whether he's truly a lead or not? Bryce Mitchell, I think, has an incredibly fun, good, suffocating, challenging ground game, but the lack of the totality of the game gives me a little bit of pause. He's done very well against the talent he's been given, and those are not chumps. He has beaten some, some good opposition. But there's a long way to go before I'm ready to declare him, uh, you know, the next big thing at 145 pounds where I'm really taking his prospects of putting UFC gold around his waist quite seriously. I'm not discounting it either. I'm simply saying it's unknown. But if there is any kind of question, some kind of hill he has to climb, it's not really that he has to beat a lot of other guys because I don't think he's fought any top 10 competition yet. More to that point. He is beating them very single-handedly, which Nurmagomedov was able to do. But Nurmagomedov was able to do that because he is a generationally special talent. Is Bryce Mitchell that at 145? Yeah, the jury's still kind of out on that one, I think. Luke, well, correct me if I'm wrong, though, but your default as an analyst is not to pro fall prey to the victim and getting seduced by the drug of proclaiming somebody a god before they have a chance to prove it to you, which also doubles as an explanation for your atheism, correct? Uh, that was a river of inane shit that you just said that was both was pretty, incoherent pretty good. and dumb. Pretty good, you know? This is very much dumb. like the ending scene in Billy Madison. I get it, but that was, that was pretty good, though, you know? The puppy <laughs> found his way in the end. Listen, right? there's nothing wrong with, with, with Bryce Mitchell as a fighter. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing like, oh, wow, he's really terrible at that. I don't think that's quite true, but it's like you win in a very lopsided way, which is fine. That's a choice. But if you're going to do that, that, that lopsidedness has to be just truly overwhelming. And he's only ranked at 14. By the way, sitting at 13, Ryan Hall. I mean, try that shit on him, right? I don't. It's not. I don't. I'm, I'd be very skeptical he could do that to Ryan Hall. I think Ryan Hall would have his back or his ankle pretty quickly. And so there's a long line of guys where you have to try that on before you can really say this really this stands the test of elite pushback from 145. Khabib can say. His, his, his game stands the test of elite 155ers and, and probably then some. Um, 
Okay. Here's Can't the deal, though. Quickly though. in passing, Luke. You know, I didn't search the market for having few seltzers to prove to you that KLO is the best. I just took a taste and I knew it. I took the taste test on the beat. I know it, bro. Okay. So time will tell, but you'll see. You'll see. Okay. We, we will see. And when that proves to be wrong, you let me know just how much crow you're ready to swallow. We'll get some crow hot dogs over at Cumberland Farms. Okay. Point number two. This one I find a little bit. I don't, I don't know what I want to call this. Maybe you can help me out, BC. UFC President Dana White has made a series of remarks about the Diaz brothers. One of the, In many ways, I kind of understand both of them. In many ways, I don't. Here's what I mean, just to set this up so the audience understands <clears throat> in the event that they missed it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When it comes to the older Nick Diaz, whose manager has said that he's almost certainly going to have a comeback this year of some variety... He said, why would anyone even want to see Nick Diaz fight? If you look at what he's been doing on Instagram, Dana White said, it's not exactly clear that you know he has prioritized the athlete's kind of life. And it certainly is true up to a point, although more recent indications seem to tell us that he has been back in the gym for whatever that is worth. Again, a lot of this is just hard to exactly know what's true. But um, yes, there, have, there were years of partying on social media. I don't know what the current state of things are exactly, okay? Now, when it comes to Nate Diaz, he did say he was looking to have Nate return to the Octagon in 2021, but basically whether or not he can make it happen, your guess is as good as mine. He did not appear necessarily all that enthusiastic about, let's say, its prospect of happening. Okay, BC, here is my question to you. Does the UFC really want to make fights with the Diaz brothers, or is there something else at play here? Uh, yes and no. Uh, here's the deal. All of these comments, I believe, did come from that Q&A that we referenced on Friday with Laura Senko. So you got a lot of, you know, new fresh blood. I know Brett also has an interview along with Dana that I haven't chipped into yet. But uh, I think Dana's comments have been very dismissive of Nick, but they're not wrong. But if this is the road Dana wants to go, saying Nick just doesn't look like he has it or wants it or should be in there anymore then I think they should cut him straight up, Luke. You know what I mean? It's not really up to Dana whether whether Nick is ultimately uh, in the in the right by wanting to com- continue his career. We've all said long and, and multiple times that a reunion with Scott Coker, if Nick wants to keep fighting for real, probably the best bet for a lot of different reasons. And uh, why don't we just see that happen? I think Nate's a little bit different because he's got more left in the tank and because we just understand that it's hard to negotiate with the Diaz brothers. I have largely been on the side of the brothers when looking back at the last five, six years and looking for both, despite the two Connor fights, UFC didn't do what it had to do to cash in on them enough if they wanted to. They could have made both of these guys major pay-per-view stars, not just in the way of being Conor McGregor's B-side as Nate was, and that's how he truly crossed over, but, you know, they could have built on that and not allowed him to sit out the multiple years that followed. And I think Nate, to some degree, is in that same category. So I do give some leeway to Dana that even though I've been pro-Diaz in this discussion, they're not easy to deal with and negotiate. This could be more of a response to some of the feelers he does get when he talks to Nate's team in terms of the money and opponent he's looking for next. I wouldn't doubt that Nate is basically like, give me Connor every time he talks to him or give me 
Habib or give me $5 million or something where Dana's just like, nah, I'm not sure he really wants to fight anymore. So I think we'll see Nate again in the UFC. I'd love it two, three more times. No guarantee. I don't think Nick ever fights in the octagon again. I don't think he should either. But if he wants to do, if he wants to have an ending, there are places to have a happy ending, not talking at all about that studio in Jersey or Robert Kraft's uh, after work drop stop. But you know where I'm going with that. Uh, I don't, but what I'll say is I think you're right about Nick Diaz. I, he, I mean, I don't understand how you as a promoter can make a statement like that, which is, you know, he didn't say, I'm not sure if it's a good idea for Nick to be fighting right now. Exactly. He didn't say, like, you know, Nick and I have to figure out some things before I'm even really comfortable with this. Well, you know, you're sort of opening the door to the possibility of things and expressing some degree of concern for the, you know, the medical responsibility that you might have as a promoter to put something, somebody in there who you don't think is really eligible for these kinds of contests anymore. If he had said that, I, it would still be a little bit eyebrow-raising, but you could, I think, a little bit more justified. But just saying, why would anyone even want to see him? Well, gee, guy, if no one really wants to see him or even should want to see him, why are you still in business with him? Cut him. Release him. You have nothing to do with this guy anymore. If your real objection is that not only should there not be fights with him, what on earth would compel someone to even want to see him back out there? And listen, I don't even think it's a crazy thing to say that. I don't think it's wrong to necessarily look at the guy's history of what he's been doing and say, oh, well, maybe he's making a turnaround now. Yeah, it could be too little too late. You know, I don't buy this recent act. I don't think that's a crazy statement for me to make, for a fan to make, for a neutral observer to make who maybe was introduced to this information. It's weird for the guy in business with him <laughs> to say that. If you're in business with the guy, that is everything you need. Like, that's the opposite of how you would want to view any of this or just don't be in business with him anymore and i think the, the 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 assessment is otherwise you know debatable but not crazy when it comes to nate that's the other one that, that i always bristle when folks are like he's hard to negotiate with hard to negotiate with relative to what like what is he saying there that dana has to go in there and suck his toes and uh shovel his walk when when it gets snowy and give him piggyback rides when he feels like it at, you know, four in the morning when he needs to go to Wawa to get hot dogs made specially for him. Like, what Look, is he the only, saying? The, that only is, the only snow in the 209 is white lightning, if you know what I mean. Okay, I understand what you mean. I'm just saying this. I've talked to Diaz's people for a long time, and I've heard what the other side is asking. It's not what people think it is. Yes, it is certainly way more than the average UFC headliner is even accustomed to getting. Yes, it is relative to that standard. He is certainly pushing the boundary relative to what an A side might get in boxing. And I recognize BC. I get it. This is not boxing. I understand. But I'm just telling you relative to what those guys might get. There's nothing crazy about it. It's not crazy at all. So I understand that the UFC has a role to play. They want to negotiate, blah, blah, blah. But then coming out there and bad faithing this whole thing and then making the Diaz's look like what they want is, you know, a pink limousine to pick them up, to give them rides to Disneyland and to have Disneyland close at their behest. Well, look, they're, not claim, a... they're not asking for things that any other headliner in A-side a headliner combat sports wouldn't ask for. And Dana's a bad faither. He lies publicly in, in, under the grounds of negotiation and intimidation. The only time he took an L was at Wyoming Bay. We get this, Luke, okay? I mean, it is what it is in that regard. But what will happen first? Get your sorcerer hat on. Tell me my future, Luke. Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal 2 
or Nick Diaz, Paul Daly to under the Bellator MMA banner? (laughs) It's got to be the rematch of the BMF. There are still people who think that like Diaz was in that fight. I'm not one of them, but um... I think Canelo was one of them because he was sleeping on the couch watching it. Luke, well, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that was fun. That was a fun, fun time for DAZN. Um, Yeah, the idea that I mean, here's the thing: Danny can say what he wants about Nick, about anything really, but you know, you accusing a promoter of you know bad faithing it or you know being contradictory is you know accusing a zebra of having stripes. I mean, this is just what promoters do no matter who they are no matter where they are just just different degrees and in different ways so the idea that they're going to release nick knowing that he would be a pay-per-view commodity uh, for somebody else or a huge a side let's say i I just don't find realistic plus you know scott coker has a proven ability to work with the diaz brothers at least um uh, nick you know pratt with with strike force so you know they should it's the responsible thing to do but is uh, that what have you thought of the idea it's it's odd because in some ways Part, a big part of Nate Diaz, I'm sorry, Nick Diaz, the older brother, becoming a star was the crossroads opportunity he got in strike force against Frank Shamrock. And he beat the legend and sort of, you know, took a, there was a little bit of a transaction that night of a future star on the rise. Can, can, can Nick play that role for Bellator? Would he want to? Are there enough fights to be made in there? Could he competently pull off that role, which is just go in there and make some fun, win and lose celebrity fights? I mean, the other part is, can Bellator afford him? I don't know if Bellator can afford him. They'd have to really pull some strings. They don't. I don't know if they. I don't. I don't know if they have a guy on the roster who could command the payday that Nick could command. Assuming like he could say, "Hey, I could still draw X for UFC. You should pay me something commensurate to come and work with you." In part because I'm not even sure who the opponent would be. Um, again, you could do the daily fight again, but would that really draw the numbers to justify the payday? Yeah, you can't even- serve him up to MVP, right? Yeah, that that and like also you'd have to put that on CBS. You know, this is the guy that got him kicked off of CBS to a degree. Like, there's a lot of moving parts there with Bellator that don't make it so easy. I'm just saying, if you think that nobody should even want to see him, what are you doing in business with him? I mean, that makes zero sense. So yeah, drop that, a, drop a Uncle Uncle Joey Gladstone on that, right? That that's your move. That's your go-to joke, right? Yes. All right. All right. All right. Uh, well, hey, is this, is this thing on, Luke? I don't want to touch it so it doesn't break. But uh, Hickory wow. Dickory. Yeah. All right. Top, topic, <laughs> topic, topic number three. Uh, if I go to the wrong side here, I'll go to this side. Sorry. Adrian Broner is returning to the ring on Showtime of all places, BC. It'll be in February, I believe the day before Valentine's Day. BC, let me tell you something sad that I saw in researching this. Now, he's been off for two years. There was a time when he was a, what, a four-division champ? Um, four-time world champion anyway, where he had won numerous titles. I remember when they were writing glowing uh, you know, reviews of him, and he had his nickname AB about billions, but he is owes because he was sued for damages um, for assaulting somebody, a woman, I believe, in a nightclub. He was sued, and he was forced to pay over 800000 He is doing cash app requests on social media, and uh, I think he's still 700,000 plus short that tri- by the way, that hearing again is going to be in February before this contest. My guess is much of this purse is going to go to downplay pay that. And uh, he was being mocked by his own viewers in the comments. I won't even say some of the mean things they were saying. Wh- wh- where is Broner? Wh- how much should we care? Uh, can he still be good? He seems to be training very hard, trying to really get back. He seems to be on the road to recovery. 
Give us your sense of things about what is still possible for this guy. Now, look, you have to understand, again, we don't choose who we love. I don't love Adrian Brunner. I'm not an AB super fan, but I have what I call the Zab Judah disease with him, where sometimes we have these fighters where we just believe in their, the, their ceiling, maybe more than they do, maybe more than their critics do, maybe more than the L's we've seen them take to. I use Zab Judah as the reference because that was a guy who had freaking through the roof talent and even though he was a world champion of multiple divisions and had a good run he never quite maxed that out yet he also you never counted them out even in his late 30s you're like well, i wonder if zab could have one more run there i believe that about ab luke because the tools are there he just doesn't use them he's only 31 he's had enough bad headlines arrests uh public almost suicide attempts on instagram he's had enough really bad things happened to him that he shouldn't even be in this conversation in, in some ways where we're like, could he still turn it around yet in some degree? I think he can still turn it around. What does that mean? Not become a pound for pound fighter, not going to become, you know, that kind of level, but become a competent big fight fighter and use his brand and actually win a big fight again. I think it's possible. And the reason why is because he's always had, Certain intangibles that you just can't teach. A chin, a willingness to go after it when he's plugged in and focused. Um, you know, quickness and power that does carry up to 140, not really so much at 147. The problem has always been him, not just the lack of training and, you know, taking his career and personal life seriously, but in the ring, he fights like a guy who has... He, you know, he fought at 135 like a large lightweight with big power. He never evolved out of that mentality and became more of a boxer, which is what he needs to do. He has great natural skills that really haven't been fully eroded yet. Um, it's not impossible that he puts it back together, gets himself back into a, even a big pay-per-view fight where you're like, wow, he looks pretty good. He might, you know, uh, maybe he has a chance to win this rather than just being a ratings draw and a clown. I'm, I'm going to give him that chance because I've seen the videos. He's he's seems to have gotten clean from alcohol abuse, gotten back in shape. We don't know what it's going to look like. This fight is not official, hasn't been announced, but you see the reports, the rumors. I think Mike Coppinger of The Athletic, I saw it on boxing scene. It could be um, of Pedro Campa, I think was the opponent's name. 31-1-1, mm -hmm. uh, but hasn't beaten anybody. Maybe this is the right type of comeback fight. Just show yourself. But Luke, I'm, I've been... I've been, you know, called out for this in the past. I'm just not ready to close the book on him. Maybe I never will be. Maybe I'll always have the Zab Judah blinders on. I just see a guy with a lot of talent who's really never actually properly used it. Is he a foreign division champion? Yes, but it's as weak uh, a statement as you can make in modern proliferation of belts boxing where he never beat an established champion. Uh, even the, the biggest win of his career, Pauli Malignaggi for the welterweight title was a split decision and very disputed and AB kind of took his foot off the gas. But, uh... I don't know, Luke. You know what I want best for him? I certainly don't want a tragic ending. I certainly want somebody who can go back out there, uh, make a living for his family, get out of the trouble that he's in, and put himself in a spot to win a big fight to close his career because that's really the 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 problem with him. Yeah, he had the big one over Antonio DeMarco at 135. Yeah, that Pauli Malnagy one I talked about, but it's very hollow in between. I mean, did he fight Jesse Vargas in a fun brawl and it was good to see? Yeah, but he hasn't had that big win. Um, Luke, you're not going to remember this, but... um. The big loss of his career, the big, big loss, the Maidana fight uh, that broke the internet that night, he was coming on late. People forget that. AB was coming on in the final round there. Uh, there's a fighter's heart deep inside there. I want to see him pull yeah, it back out for eight, one more. That was eight years ago. 
It was, yet he hasn't disqualified. Somehow, Luke, he has not disqualified his his long-term potential. I still think there's a little bit of glimmer left. And, and maybe it's a want more than a belief, but uh, there, it's in there. Luke, it's in there. I was going to ask you what his best win was. You said Paulie Malinaji. I was there for the Theophane fight. People were upset that he – now, that was a stoppage. People thought – I remember uh, because my wife and I were leaving the D.C. Armory – and I remember sort of listening to what the crowd was saying about the fight. They all thought Broner was losing up until he managed to score the stoppage, but they were not happy with the way that the fight was conducted or Broner's overall performance, I guess you could say. He goes on to beat Granados. That was his last win. That was in February of 2017, man. It'll have been four years, uh, nearly look, to the look, day by the time he gets back in there. But I'm not going to try to, like, paint a rosy picture. He's a he's a tragic item right like this is all his own fault Luke and um you know I'm not and there's a reason to hate him right I mean in his biggest fights well, I'm not hold on, know, I'm not telling the audience to hate him I'm simply sort no, of describing I, he had a moment there we had a couple of losses Maidana Porter okay fine you got you, you had some stumbling along the way but what happened was things begin to go wrong there in his personal life and in his last three fights he had the Garcia loss the Vargas draw, and then the Pacquiao loss. The Pacquiao loss was January of 2019. He hasn't fought since then. Well, that was my point. even more legal like, trouble since then. You can hate him for the legal trouble and the inappropriate comments and all that, but even that aside, real boxing fans hate him, Luke, because he stopped trying in, his, in some of his biggest fights, right? It was a lifeless loss to Mikey Garcia, a lifeless loss to Pacquiao where he almost got stopped and was kind of running for his life. We didn't see the same fighting heart and defeat that he had against Maidana, that he had even against Sean Porter when he rallied to drop him in the final round despite taking the loss in that one. Um, that, that's what you really want to see from him. Win or lose, you just want to see the best Broner has left. Um you know, you're not going to make a lot of money betting that he has a lot left, but I, I don't think it's impossible here, Luke, okay? Well, I, I think also, here. if somebody can get clean, and these are ifs, but if somebody can get clean, and if somebody, while still 31, can train hard, and if somebody can begin to reflect on their mistakes, and if somebody can say, all right, some of the damage here to my life and to my career is irreversible, but there is still something left positively for me to contribute. There are some major, major paydays I can contribute. There are some lessons I can learn from my mistakes. There is living on a straight and narrow. There is getting clean. To the extent that that's a real thing that he does, and we'll, there's no way to know until time shows us, but to the extent that that's real, that's impossible to root against. You cannot cheer against that if someone is really trying to make a change, both for the health of themselves, the health of the mind, and the health and the well-being of the people around them. Now, Broner has made every mistake almost imaginable at this point, but uh, not so much that there is still not that possibility in front of him. So can he do it? We shall see. I'm going to tell but you what it's it going to look like real quick, whether he can do it. He's got to stay away from welterweight unless he is going to completely rebuild his style to be slow, solely around boxing and not punching. He can't. He doesn't have the power to compete with these welterweights, and when he does get in there with them, he tries to act like a puncher. It's The big fights have to come at 140, and he's going to have to step on the gas. He's going to have to establish a jab. He cannot be the low-output counterpuncher. If you see him in a comeback fight, maybe not this one, maybe a bigger one after that, and you see him letting his hands go early and the fight's at 140 pounds, that will be, in my opinion, the only foundation that he can really sit on to try to make this comeback work. Uh, i got to tell you, I'm curious to see what he can do. I have managed expectations. I think you do as well. But I am curious because he is talking a big game about 
just doing the right thing now. Can he do it? That's a hard thing to do after you've made that many mistakes in your life, but we shall certainly see. And remember who was calling him out? Ruguru. Oh, New right. to the PBC Galaxy okay. at 140. This, people, people, were saying, people were saying that Broner should beat Campa, and I agree he should. But this, to me, is the right kind of fight to get back based on where he was and where he's been. He needs a bit of a, a, a softer reintroduction to get, before we even talk about the Rougarous of the world, who's in the elite in that division. So um, that, that'll get be a conversation. Get him Amir Khan. Get him a big name with a bad chin. Get him Amir Khan already. Let's do it. Uh, who might just quit if you touch him lightly on the balls. Uh, okay. Topic number four. Not much of a topic, but just kind of a fun thing to entertain here at Four Second BC. Do I go this way again? I can never remember. Yes. Oh, someone's ringing the doorbell, and my family's nowhere to be found. They're probably having a quinceanera again outside my door. I don't know what's going on. Okay. Well, there's just a <laughs> melee here happening in my fucking living room. Uh, Conor McGregor, BC, took to Instagram looking absolutely jacked beyond all belief. Not suggesting he's on the uh, USADA hit list. Just saying, looks like he's been training very, very well. On top of that, put out one of his Mystic Mac predictions, BC. Was very complimentary of Dustin. I have to say, I found that very interesting. Called him not just a good fighter, an elite fighter, but even at elite, he noted there are different levels, and the level he's at is just too great for someone like Dustin Poirier. So saying he's going to knock Poirier out inside of 60 seconds. What are you expecting physically, given these pronouncements, given what we're seeing on Instagram? Where's, where, where's your head at on McGregor these days? Uh, again, not trying to Robert Barstool you, but I, I think we're going to see the, the very best of what McGregor has left in this fight. And I think this will start a, a really big year for him in a big chapter. I don't know if he's going to beat Dustin, right? We'll get our predictions as we get closer. We'll, we'll, we'll really fine-tooth it. Um, I certainly like his style. I certainly believe that what we saw in that Cowboy fight was not fool's gold. It, it, you know, it was Cowboy. It was Cowboy who didn't even show up in some ways, too. But it was also the mindset, the 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 look in the eyes. Um, you know, I had a great talk, if you missed this, with Rashad Evans during our UFC 257 early preview show we did last week, that just like when you see a – this is this is not going to be the Connor of old again because that Connor's gone, meaning the guy who gets so freaking fired up emotionally to prove you wrong and outman you and all that – what we saw in the in the cowboy build is really where Connor should be operating mentally to be in the right spot, which is, uh, you know, almost a little bit reformed, humble, but but smart and confident and knowing where he is. So what do I say, believe when I see these physical pictures, both of him making the way easier than ever before, and also being, you know, pretty damn jacked? Um, it shows me that he's going to put his best foot forward, Luke. And I think we should expect not only a great fight, which you got to expect it in this in, the, in this match. This rematch is so freaking good on paper for so many different reasons. But I think you, if you are a Connor guy and you want to believe that he can be, you know, a truly elite pound for pound fighter one more time, have one more big run. Uh, he's doing. He's setting the foundation here. He's doing what I think he needs to do, which is getting himself obviously physically, mentally uh, ready for this. Uh, Luke, I could not be more confident at the version of him we're going to see. Now, again, that may never be enough to beat this version of Dustin. That's why this fight's so good. But I think there's enough reason to believe that you can actually favor, you can actually bet on Connor, and you can believe that that he can do this, Luke. He's not going to be the same guy he was in 2016. He's a different person, but... I think the the lost weekend, the lost years in between, they haven't been as damaging as maybe they could have been. He's back in a very good spot uh, looking to do some big damage here. So uh, I'm a believer. Uh, two things I would say. One, I've always felt like 155 Connor is the most dangerous Connor. Now, we don't have a 
a ton of tape on that uh, as a consequence of some, you know, he had the, the fight against Alvarez and then the fight against Khabib, and the, the Khabib fight had some certainly some questions around it. Um, although he had some good moments in that fight as well. But, you know, I still believe that if he's dialed in, right opponent, staying consistent, 155, it lets his power come to life, but not he still has to maintain weight and really have a disciplined game plan in life in order to really get the maximum out of that weight class. Whereas 145, too much of a drain, 170, too much leeway. So I really like the Goldilocks nature of that 155 division for him. And he appears to be you know, bearing the fruits of that. The second thing I'd say is one of the reasons John Jones is super elite, at least um, not just now, but like when, when he was doing something really special, yeah, he was beating all these guys, and that was really important. But the thing that was just blowing everyone away was you know, he wasn't, for a time, even living in Albuquerque. He would go there for a while and then come back to where he was living. Certainly, he changed that up. But what I mean to say is he wasn't doing the conventional GSP thing where you were just 24-7 martial arts. You maybe just ramped up your training during camp. John would just take time off. Now, what's interesting is you can see boxers do that. But boxers, A, the best practices in that sport are a little bit more well-known and developed. Two, a lot of those guys start when they're very young, right? So you picking up a skill, almost like a language, you can take a little bit of time off if you're already that far ahead of your peers um, and not lose and cede too much ground. I never thought of Connor in that way, and I'm not here ready to declare him that. But maybe in the striking department, when he was talking about how much more advanced he was in his opposition, there may be something to that dot, 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 if he can beat Dustin. Now, in 60 seconds, I don't know. But let's say get an authoritative win. If you can take time off from the game, in which he has taken off considerable amounts at this point, literally years if you add it all up, during portions of his prime, and still beat this version of Dustin Poirier, let's see, let's say, again, you know, uh, whatever it means, but authoritatively by the time he gets his hand raised, dude, that is special. That is very, very difficult to do. Not a lot of people can do that. So we are speculating very much about what will happen. Maybe Poirier goes in there and blows the doors off of him. Fair enough. But if he can even remotely bring to life the kinds of things he is talking about, if he can get in there, compete, do well, win, while having these extended breaks, BC, you know, you may have to reconsider exactly just what Conor McGregor we were getting during that 145 meteoric rise, and that's even with all of the praise and amplification we've already given it. Yeah, absolutely. And and I get that there are people that are listening to this that are just like, you know, don't believe in Conor anymore. And I get that. Or maybe sure. never did. And are sort of like, you know, all oh, you American journalists sucking him off and all that. But let's look at this. Look, if he's going to do this and reestablish his prime and have another super elite run – He'll be doing what only the truly great ones have done. Like, in reference to some of the points you're making, it's almost like GSP coming back against Bisping or uh, Sugar well, Ray Leonard not, or not Floyd quite, Not quite that. GSP was a proven commodity in ways that Connor just can't be. True. I'm not. It's not apples to apples. But the whole idea of taking long stretches off and coming back and needing to be right back at your very best, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard against Marvin Havler, Roy uh, Floyd Mayweather multiple times during the second half of his run when he would go away for a year or two or, or whatever. Um, I That was part of the fuel, Luke, of why I picked him to beat Habib in that fight and why everyone was, you know, telling me, and, 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 and you know, rightfully so, right? It's a bad style matchup. Habib really is that good. I was like, no, the magic's still there. I still believe that... You know, this guy is truly of that upper, upper, upper ilk. He'll figure this out. Now, it doesn't mean I was necessarily wrong. I was maybe wrong about uh, Habib's upper bound limits, uh, to steal a Luke phrase, and his ability to do ultimately what he did to Connor. 
But uh, am I am I grasping for a straw to believe some of the excuses or reasons Connor has had that the 229 camp really wasn't on the up and up, that he was partying in between, that he wasn't listening to coaches, that he was sparring too much, that he was not, you know, that he was focusing too much on wrestling defense than trying to go out there and finish. I, I think there are actually enough reasons to actually believe that, Luke. And again, this might all be a great story. Connor as focused as ever, the best shape he's ever been in, blah, blah, blah. And as you mentioned, it still might not be good enough to beat Poirier. So it could be a moot point. But I just don't think no matter how critical and hard you look at Connor in general, you can't see these signs as being very positive. And at least talk yourself into the idea that the guy at 229, that wasn't the real Connor. You know, jury's out if the real, if the real quote unquote real Connor is still in there. But I believe he is. We're going to get a real clear shot of who the real Connor is here. I think this is going to be very telling. Is this a guy who um, still retains all the advantages he once did as a striker at 155? We're going to find out. Is this a guy who had a run and the magic is over? We're going to find out. Is this a guy who you know was able to get past Dustin Poirier back when they fought, was it six years ago or so at this point? Uh, and it's still pretty good, but not good enough now against Dustin Poirier. In other words, is there a big back and forth? Both guys get dropped, but Poirier gets his hand raised in the end. We're going to see exactly where he is. I'm merely articulating that I don't believe in the Mystic Mac bullshit, but what I am saying is if he looks this good, and again, at 155, we have reason to think that's his best weight class, and then on top of it, goes out there and has a dominant performance. That is an if. That is not a guarantee. In no way, shape, or form is that a guarantee. But if he does, given the time off, you just have to, at that point, if, if we get there, you'd have to call a spade a spade. And it's not an implausible scenario where you just, oh, how could that ever happen? That's a real, distinct possibility that could happen in a matter of two weeks. You have to take that very seriously. So we're just saying, thinking about, to use the phrase I like to use, BC, the upper bound limit of what is possible for McGregor, it's huge. Now, we'll have a conversation about this down the road about Poirier as well, but for those reasons, I think it, it just adds enormous amounts of intrigue to the and Conor to the McGregor extent, s- story. To use another Luke term, to the extent, I have no idea what that means, but to the extent, Luke, uh, don't count out the the, the Ma- Mystic Mac bullshit yet. The magic, the magic wasn't there at 229. Doesn't mean it's dead, Luke, because even though the magic sometimes... Or against Floyd. (laughs) Even though the magic sometimes... Or against Nate the first time. I think he extinguished a bit of the potential of the magic by, by you know, that the headspace he was in. But what I'm saying is, do I, what do I believe in this real magic? It's like it's the force or something? Well, sometimes it can be like that, but I think the magic is fueled by the combination of being in the best freaking shape, as dialed in as you can possibly be, and then having that otherworldly confidence and belief in yourself, like the Muhammad Ali-level confidence that just raises your game in the highest moments. Don't be, uh, don't be talking bad about that magic, because that magic might kick your ass, Luke, okay? So you, you, can, you can, you know, sit in front of the, meter, the mirror three times and Beetlejuice it out of him, but it's still, it could still be there come January 23rd. Luke, I have no idea if what I just said was, uh, you know, absolute genius in expanding people's minds or, or it's going to get us closer to, uh, to never making 100, 100 Well, it definitely like isn't that. genius, I can tell you that. Uh, uh, I, you know, if it, if you, here's the, like, you know, a lot of people think we're just talking into this microphone, Luke. What are you this doing? This is art. Bro, this is art. You know what I'm saying? Like this is like this is like like a uh, you know like like a, like a painting. Like this is, you know, you no. wildly overestimate your gifts. Okay. You know what uh, I'm saying? This is yeah, all right. Speak, all right. Speaking of someone who has wildly overestimated his gifts, uh let's talk about President Trump here for just a second and at least UFC's relationship to him. 
So folks were doing some digging, and I verified it as well. It is truly the case right now, unless as of now they've actually gone back and changed it. But as of last night, this was certainly true. The UFC had put out a propaganda piece, which is their right, but that's what it was, called Combatant-in-Chief, this sort of piece grossly overstating the importance that President Trump played in the role of the UFC. Now, he did play a role that is, I think, at least worth acknowledging, which was when the UFC was struggling at times to get venues in major locations, um, they were able to go to Trump Taj Mahal in Atlantic City and put on some uh, of their fights. And this was when there was regulatory battles, there was battles about you know getting um, what kind of exposure in terms of broadcast opportunities they had. So certainly, certainly true that he played a helpful role in that regard. And as we all know, he was there for the Masvidal and Diaz fight. I think, yeah, BC, were you there for that fight? The security was nuts trying to get in there. Um, no, I was at the Canelo fight that night. Oh, that's right. That's right. Security was crazy trying to get in there. So, you know, he has been a fight fan for a long time, and I think that deserves to be acknowledged. Okay, fair enough. But this idea that, like, he saved the UFC, or like, but for those shows, they would never have continued was just... You know, it's look, can we just be honest? Things. The UFC was cheap entertainment for his casinos that were kind of struggling yeah. at that moment. Yeah. And uh, also, right. Also, Trump also, he was a competitor. Yes. He also tried to help Affliction, uh, you know, take down the UFC. So can we, totally. you know, can we chill totally. out here? On There's the- a bigger picture here to play. Here's my point. Those videos are gone. They're not in their YouTube channel. And I checked on Fight Pass, which is where I originally saw it. It's not on Fight Pass either. Now, someone told me that these videos did not come down this week following the results of the insurrection at the Capitol. They've been down for some weeks, maybe even some months at this time. I'm not exactly sure what the date is, but it's not this week. It happened prior to that. But BC, I mean, if you saw these videos and I saw them, or the video, I should say, I mean, I got to be clear about this. They didn't just heap praise on Trump. They heaped an extraordinary amount on him. Why would they take them down? Uh, well, look, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. I've seen those same tweets of people saying, chill out, the whole series, meaning the 25 documentaries for the 25th year anniversary they're claiming was take down. I didn't do the research and see it. But, Luke, I don't believe that it's a coincidence that Dana also took down the four-minute video attacking the media, you know, talking about their fake news in almost a Trumpian way and delivering fake news in return. What I'm about to say next is not actually a political debate or discussion and really doesn't fall into whatever side you fall on. It's more of looking at what Dana White and company has done with their allegiance to Trump as a power move. And in some ways it was. Look, it's like pro wrestling, of which, by the way, Donald Trump is a WWE Hall of Famer. You, you align yourself with somebody, you get the rub. UFC the last four years got a very sort of mainstream rub from Donald Trump, you know, or, or that basically put them up to the forefront, government-approved. You know, Don Jr. showing up at the fights with uh, with the other other guy, too. Uh, it's sort of, you know, it was a beneficial mutual relationship in that regard. Dana spun it off to help him out and speak at the gatherings and all that. But now that brand is, you know, rightfully so toxic at the moment or, 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 uh, or disputed at the moment or under fire at the moment. So it would be smart especially that this isn't UFC, the independent Zufa company, privately owned. It's, you know, the mainstream uh, WME parent company, which does business with Disney and ESPN and all these other things. It it seems like a smart time to um, not do anything drastic, but just take a step back. And I was very surprised at that moment that that, uh, Scientology recruitment video that Dana put out there, uh, putting me at the forefront as as public enemy number one was taken down because I figured that would live forever, knowing Dana as like the you know f you. But Luke, 
that that was very Trumpian, and it seems you know Dana and company are just like yeah let, let's let, let's let this thing play out wherever it's going to go, so we don't end up like not on the wrong side of history, but like in the in in the wrong side of the bed in history next to that man. So uh, do you have any other theory, Luke? Yeah, I mean, I think the initial part of your point is the is the correct one, which is the prior to getting to bed with Trump in a political way in the last few years, the UFC had an openly. Uh, and with through station casinos as well with the Fertitas had an openly, what do you want to call it? Cordial, professional, maybe even working relationship with Harry Reid, who was sort of a, you know, played a prominent role in the Senate as a Democrat for many, many years. Of course, he's from Nevada. He's a fight fan himself. Um, so the point being is if there is somebody who is a leading politician that could play a role in the regulation of their sport, whether they are Democrat or the Republican, if they're elite in some kind of way, so right, you're the you are in control essentially of the Senate or the presidency, or you, know, you play a big role in a committee, something like that. Um, they want to they want to probably talk to you. They probably want to have some kind of open channel of communication with you. Now, I do think that Dana going and speaking on behalf of Trump at not one but both conventions going to be a little bit hard to undo that legacy. That's a little bit more than I think he ever did, as far as I'm aware. For any Democratic politician, but in general, in general, if you're in a space where you are potentially at peril, essentially, for your business of being regulated by federal authorities, it might be good to have a working relationship with both sides because, hello, there tends to be this overturn of power every two to four to six to eight years. And this might just be part of that. It might just be anticipatory of that kind of thing. The idea that they would take it down for like, oh, we're taking down all of our 25th anniversary stuff. I, that to me seems bogus. Why would you do that? Like, what? It's, what would yeah. you don't need? There's no need to take it down. The video about the journalists being taken down, you know, in an era where there are real threats to them, that seems a little bit more understandable. But like the idea, like, oh, it was just part of a house cleaning of extra videos. You know, I mean, extra unnecessary videos I have all over YouTube and their and uh, fight pass. That seems to me a ludicrous explanation. So um, we'll have I to mean, see what they say. I mean, this is how business but... works. Look, true or false? Okay. We sadly, we sadly found out tomorrow that our own Jay was just an absolute dirt hole privately and was, you know, involved in many hashtags that have brought some despicable uh, activities to light. You know, not necessarily speaking about his business relationship with Ron Johnson, but, you know, you do the math. Um, we would probably remove all footprints of him on this show very quietly, right? Take him out of the documentary, um, restore all proper technological advances in the show and probably avoid actually Luke now that we think about it you want to do that anyway you want to just... I mean this guy is kind of holding us back right I mean you know technologically we are falling behind the competition due to our relationship with it but you get my point yeah I mean I would say that you ever seen Garfield he would mail was it normal to Abu Dhabi he would literally stick it was I don't know if it was normal or somebody else but he would literally take the animal stuff him in a box go to the post office and mail him to Abu Dhabi that's what we should do to Jay. We should just mail him, you know, I don't know, in some kind of box where he could live in the box, but then get to Abu Dhabi and you just go live there, guy. How about that? Yeah. I think that's what we should do. What language do they speak there? Is that Farsi? No, that would be Iran. They speak Arabic in Abu Dhabi. Oh. Uh, okay. Arabic. I'll have to ask him later. Yeah. Uh, okay. That is it for our five main topics. It is now a time for you, the viewer, the listener, to ask us questions. It's time for DMs. From Diggity Dogs. All right. Let's get this going. From Terrence Cronin. 
How many Instagram followers would Mike Tyson have if Instagram was around in the late 80s? 100 mil plus? Connor, by the way, is sitting currently at 38 mil. Yes. <laughs> All of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, look, Mike Tyson at, at, at the, uh, you know, at the, right around the Michael Spinks fight, like, he's the biggest name in sports. You could argue that he was the biggest name in, in pop culture. Look, you can argue he's the most famous American at that moment. I mean, it was like stupid, the level that he got. Like, he wasn't just bigger than Jordan. He was a lot bigger than Jordan and Bo Jackson and Larry Bird and his contemporaries of that moment, Luke. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, maybe the most popular human alive entertainer. I mean, that maybe that's not true because... That was an era with Michael Jackson, so okay, maybe he was the most popular yeah, human he's, alive. He's not Jacko levels, but he's he's for an athlete, it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, he would have had. He, I, mean, I think Cristiano Ronaldo has the most of anyone on uh, on Instagram, and he has. Let's see, Ronaldo has, or Ronaldo, I guess as they would say in Brazil, has two hundred and fifty three million. Yeah, he'd have a shitload. He'd he'd be like that. He'd be like that. Uh, okay. From Teron Morris, 98 BC, what sells more pay-per-views? Spence Crawford, again, same question, Spence Crawford or Tank versus Ryan? We had this conversation. I'm glad they picked this question because we literally did 10 or 15 minutes on it on the very last show. So why not just recycle the conversation? But to that point, Well, if you BC, notice, we don't have the same producers per show, Luke, so that could be a part of it. I mean, Gaff has, look, we've been on a, Gaff's basically firing a no-hitter in the last couple of weeks. Like, yeah, we've got the tra- the normal technological bullshit, you know, landmines to walk over. But Gaff has been driving this ship at a fairly functionable level in comparison. Like, I mean, again, I'm not trying to push Jay to the wanted ads, but, you know. Um, well, what do you want to say? Do you want to just have the conversation again? Or do you want to tell people to go watch episode 103 or whatever? I mean, in point? theory, it should be Spence Crawford, but it's probably not because of the impact of the follow the the followers and and celebrity friends that both Garcia and Gervonta have built in in short time, especially for you know Ryan Garcia lately. I mean, he'd already been big with the seven eight million Instagram followers from the young girls' point of view, but what's just happened since his knockout uh, victory over Luke Campbell and then the Mike. Tyson thing and all that is he's I mean he's making huge leaps so um head to head right now I'll take the younger guys I would I I think they can self-promote themselves on a level that Spence and Crawford wouldn't know how to and couldn't all right let's go to at MAA artwork did you see Felice Herrig's OnlyFans this is a question for BC he literally wrote that in the question (laughs) I didn't know she had an OnlyFans, and no, I don't. I don't mess with that area of life. I don't know if you guys realize this. I'm happily married man here. I mean, the there is a sanctity of marriage. You know, it is a thing, right? So, um, not really into going on. You know, the IG profiles of female fighters, and you know, snoo- snooping or chasing them off around. Not really my thing. Um, a lot of people in the que- in the comments and DMs going, "You had PVZ on. You never even called her." Page uh, only Zand, only Van Zand, and it's like no, no, stop. Okay, I don't know. I don't know what happens on OnlyFans, Luke. Okay, they say it goes down in the DMs. All right, I've asked Luke Rockhold. He's no sold me on camera before about it. My DMs don't look like that. My DMs are very phallic in shape, Luke. They don't. They don't look a lot like. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know about this. Should I? Should I be? Should I? Should I secure the dark web? Should I delete my search it's history not, and try not, to go it's after not, this? It's not the dark web. It's just the web. I'm looking here on the Felice Herrig. This is you can't see anything unless you log in, and I am not paying for any of this. But 
Felice Herrig, uh, she's verified on OnlyFans, and here's her, here's her uh, bio. Warm and fuzzy on the inside, ninja skills on the outside, lover and a fighter, by popular demand, feet. She has a foot emoji, and please don't send me dick pics. Talking to you, BC. Um, <laughs> uh, if somebody was going to look her up on there, Luke, what was the address? No, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, it's just, it's just uh, yeah. OnlyFans.com slash Felice Herrig. By I'm the way, sure it's, it's spectacular, uh, it's, okay? It's, eight, it's I mean, eight bucks a month. Or you can get twenty one fifty seven for three months, or thirty eight thirty five for six months. I'm not mad at it. I just here's my thing. I'm not mad at these women who want to do OnlyFans. Like God bless them. You know, if there's a market for it, and you can get paid. Go get paid. Who cares? But I do have to say, I wonder: is there any relationship between that and the level of pay that they get? That's my only question. In the UFC, you mean? Yeah. Are you saying that they are bringing down their potential value in the UFC by doing this? Or are you saying, no, this, I'm saying that they're if only they made, doing this if because... I'm saying if their purses, let's say, just doubled overnight in, in uh, UFC, would they still do this? Maybe, because it might be lucrative for some. I don't know. But I, I do wonder. Luke, since I don't go to that, that website or, or you know, pay for this, is the expectation that you're getting nudity if you're a fan and you're doing so this? I've so asked, I've asked about this. My understanding, I don't think you get straight up porn. I don't think you get that. I think you get the equivalent. I think you get the equivalent of anywhere between Maxim Magazine and Hustler. You're like, I think it's more single than double penetration there, uh, Jimmy Bob. Yeah, okay. Okay, I, I don't, I don't, I don't describe pornography like I'm on a trucker's CB radio, <laughs> telling him ten four at the end of the message. But uh, yes, my understanding is it's anywhere between like FHM and Hustler. Yeah, somewhere in there, somewhere in there, Luke. Yeah, all right. But you know uh, what? Only the fans know, BC. Only the fans know. <laughs> Can we start an MK Only Fans where we tell, where we speak like we normally would speak? And I don't mean I know always oh, BC. Well, that's when we do the real racist jokes. Stop that shit already, all right? No, that's when we uh, that's when we talk about Instagram profiles, right, Luke? Yes, things that would absolutely get us fired. All right, let's go to Shark Attack three sixteen. This fool DMs me all the time. Who is going to the Super Bowl, BC? I tell you who is. COVID. COVID going to bring that ass to the Super Bowl. I know that. <laughs> COVID's going to be the Super Bowl LV MVP. All right. Uh, he's going to be in the He's gonna be in the DJ booth. He's going to be on the fucking field. All right. Well, this is going to be a painful conversation to any real football fans, Luke, because I really haven't watched this year. I did watch a little bit of the playoffs this this. I didn't watch. I mean, look, I'm not going to follow the Bills and Browns train of all these lovable losers that are eventually. Yeah, I get it. Enjoy the moment. But, uh, you know, my situation, I don't really have a team. Um, I guess it was okay seeing Brady do that. They're not going to the Super Bowl, though. Luke, your Washington team's done. I mean, who the hell is going to end up in the damn Super Bowl? Luke, tell me. I got to say, here's who looked good over the weekend. Baltimore looked good over the weekend. Um, Chiefs, obviously, play the Browns. They're going to look fucking great. Saints, Buccaneers is going to be interesting. Uh, Rams. Oh, Packers. Packers look really good. They look really good. So you're telling me the Chiefs Ravens AFC Championship game that is imminent will be that? That's that's the Super Bowl. That's the damn game right there. Probably the winner of that, I suspect, would win. Um, but we'll see. The, the Packers looked really good in their last game. So they have to play the Rams on Saturday. We'll see how that goes. Luke, um, what year what year and team were you the were you the biggest fan of in NFL history? Jesus. Like like ninety one Redskins, is that where we're going yeah, with this? Yeah, probably ninety one Redskins. when the Hogs were in there, you know, doing their thing. I, I was I was a, I was a art monk dead ender, you know. 
back when he was doing his thing at, uh, over on um, RFK Stadium. I used to live on East Capitol, so you'd walk outside, and our, it's literally down the street. And so that was before the Metro was down there, and so people would just walk past and chuck fucking beer cans in your yard. It was a great time, but, um, <laughs> you know, they were a winning franchise back then. I'll just put it that way. Oh, that also, playoff, also, you know, Luke. but as an adult, you know, the 2012 skins with RG3 before, you know, his leg got turned into uh, pre-cooked spaghetti. That was uh, that was a fun yeah. time. He sees at the um, city ablaze. Yeah. 91 Redskins, great team. You know, remember they beat the Lions. I mean, they had an easy playoff run, the damn Falcons, the Lions. I mean, come on, Luke, you know? Yeah, but, you know, come on. Mark Ripien, the Hogs, suck a dick. Uh, all right. Let's go lastly to Piper Dog, Best Dog. I just found out my wife and I are expecting, so I've been putting together a pre-baby bucket list, for lack of a better term. Do you guys have anything like that and what was on it? Yeah, first find out who the list? father. First, secure who the father actually is. Let's just get that thing safe and secure, Luke. Let's not let that be a question, right? Is he talking about like things I would have done without yeah, a kid? Ga- gadgets. I mean, you know, that was that was twelve. No, years no, no, ago, no, no. no. But... I've been putting together a pre-baby bucket list, meaning before we have kids, I want to do these things in my life. Oh, well, I can't tell what was he asking. Was he asking? Um, what activities I should do and get out of my system? Or was he asking yeah. what, yeah, what yeah, yeah. helpful, uh, how, how, what brand of diaper pail did you buy? Is that what he's asking? No, no, no. He's asking like, I've got nine months to get, you know, freedom out of my system. What do I do? First thing Good I'd question. say is sleep. Sleep the, oh God. I say that to every, anybody who is like engaged, but not living with their future wife, like sleep every day, all day. So just keep sleeping. Just get yeah, as much sleep. Cause as that's you not can. going to happen once the kid gets here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what uh, else BC? Sleep. What else would you do? Uh, I would jump out of a plane. Probably. Have you ever done that? Luke? No, never jumped out of a plane. I want to Fa- fast really roped out of a helicopter. That was fun. Okay. Okay. Um, um, but that's not the same thing. Uh, uh, probably a weekend in Bangkok is probably a good thing. Get it, just get it out of your system, right? <laughs> just, just, just. You wouldn't believe what they clean with their mouths. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I'm not really. I don't. I don't. I don't ever live like that. I didn't. I don't know. Like to me, it's travel. You know, take a trip if you can. But now, now that your wife's pregnant. She might just be sick the whole time. Like, we went on vacation. I found out my wife was pregnant, like, a week, a week before we flew to Spain, Beirut, and Greece. And so she was sick the entire time. We, like, you know, we could do some stuff. But, you know, she was struggling a bit. And, uh, yeah. Plus, you were vacationing in Doha, Luke. It's not like it's, you know, paradise, I was vacationing in Athens, Barcelona, and Lebanon is where I was going. Buddy. Not quite the same thing. Um, if we if we did an MK pilgrimage to Doha, would you be able to like show us your old house and it would be like <laughs> Luke going back to Tatooine in a way, right? You know, like there's this desert. I, I, I like how your understanding of Doha is based a in Star Wars and b pr- a, a totally primitive understanding of what is actually happening. Two, you know, goddamn well, or b whatever it is, you know, goddamn well, I couldn't show you around. I don't know fuck all about it. And three, fuck you. How about that? Well, it's I, not I, like I, I was I, like, let's go to India, Luke. I mean, come on, you know. Where I was You're a actually complicated born? man with a deep backstory. All right, Luke, embrace it. Okay, You're I could ba- I could barely citizen. show you around Marietta, Georgia, at this point, much less. Do you have Indian citizenship? No, I do not. But don't you have birthrights? You were born there. I was born not on Indian soil. 
right? Where were you born? It held if you're up born in the, in the U.S. Embassy, BC, where do you think I was born? Luke, I I don't pretend to know your history. I don't even pretend to know you for most of the most of the show. You also okay? pretend but not the, to know facts about the world. It's American territory. Okay, so because it, so I, look, I didn't know that if it was if it happens on the embassy, which I know is like fake American. It's not American territory, Luke. Okay, good God. Uh, that so you're not that doesn't count is what you're saying. That does not count. It does count. It count. It doesn't count towards Indian citizenship, but it counts towards American. Okay. Okay. The more you know, Luke. Right? You know. Yeah, these are things you should have learned in high school. Uh, they okay. didn't teach me that at Naugatuck Valley Community Technical College. They did not teach me that there. Where okay? you majored in bedpan technology? Uh, okay. <laughs> I had a. Te- I, got I, had an, a- I got an AS in general studies. I might add. We, okay? we had a te- we had a teacher in high school. His name was uh, Doctor Siegel, and Doctor Siegel used to insult everyone who did poorly in his calculus class and statistics by saying that they were going to fail out of life and then go to, like, you know, podunk you and major in bedpan technology. So, shouts to Dr. Siegel, who was the world's biggest hater. Okay, with that in mind, BC, speaking of bedpans, piss, and shit, it's time for your segment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to bring on Jay in a minute, but hey, I got some goodies for you. We scour the globe. We, uh, we, we scour the corner of the bedpan, Luke, for... Uh, for all things, what is what is Trump doing on there? For uh, it's called "Have You Seen This Shit?" Trump not on this, not on this version though, Jay. Yeah, can fun, we, fun we, to there get Trump we go. There. Hey, Luke, we actually did have fights over the weekend. Shout out to Tim Boxeo's Twitter account in Poland. We had a heavyweight bout as Lucas Rosansky. <sighs> Luke, you know he really did. He scored eight knockdowns in four minutes of action, Luke, against some guy who. Probably drove the 18-wheeler complete with the ring in the back home afterwards, Luke. Um, Dude, this, took, this this was the guy who was setting up the lighting. Yeah, I think he's got sneakers on if you look close enough. His name is Ozkan Sentinkaya of Turkey, but uh, he got knocked down eight times before the referee stopped it in, early in the second round. Eight times, Luke. Good God. This well, is the good great. news is he's definitely in shape, so that's okay. Is that a Golden Palace tattoo on the back of that Polish fella's back? Wow. All right, Luke. Already off to a ridiculous start. Might as well bring in the clown pubes, right? You think I'm kidding, Luke? Here's a nice party gift for your daughter's birthday party, right? Real clown pubes, Luke. How do you... What are you supposed to do with those? I don't know, but uh, if 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 they're out there, hoagie farts will find them on on Instagram. So shout out to the fine folks. Are you supposed to like go to someone's one? house and like pee on the seat and then throw these on top? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clowns are gross people underneath it all, Luke. I mean, why else would they be hiding behind that paint? Uh, Luke, let's go down to uh, uh, some passenger shaming here. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you can get these people ready for the gallows, Luke. Look I mean, at this just, guy. No, just throw him off the fucking plane now. Look at this fucking orangutan. Are you shitting me? Oh, sir, here's our in-flight meal. It's a fucking banana, you fucking primate. Fuck you. Fuck you, guy. Hope you got COVID, you piece of shit. Wow. Wow. Actually, Luke, it was the guy who sat in the seat after him that obviously got COVID. All right, Luke, uh, that wasn't the best use of toes this week, though. Check out this transaction. I thought it was Pearl Gonzalez at first, Luke. It's not, but... uh, this is very creative. Is this what you look for in a woman, Luke? Well, she is not unattractive. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that is. Uh, uh, that's a uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme shit right there, right? Man, this is like this is like my apex predator right here. 
<laughs> this is like Doha porn right here. This is great. All right, wow, Luke. You, are, um, you, have, you have found my wheelhouse. But okay. Yes, I have. Uh, hey, let's bring on some drunk chicks. I got an epic fail here, Luke. You are know, white? Oh, look at this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Went to the bar and it was uh, open mic night. Karen stepped up on top of the bar. It, it was coyote ugly indeed, Luke. And look at this air drumming. What else we got from this? No, she's air fist pumping. Oh, yeah. You're fist <laughs> Oh, that's only the second best fall of the is week, this, Luke. Is she, is she doing like a Michael Jackson thing? Because she's like grabbing her crotch think, and stuff? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter uh, if you're black or white. She thinks you're, she thinks you're a piece of crap either way, Luke. And she did right. storm the Capitol. Thank you very much. All right, Luke, let's see the real best fall of the week. Check out this dude. Uh, sir, please don't go chasing waterfalls anymore. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. Oh, good. No, get, get your <laughs> Is he hammered? What happened here? He must be, uh, His right? footing wasn't good on those stairs, Luke, and then the wind took him down. Uh, you know, it's a price you pay for a badass selfie these days, Luke. It really is. Um, they're actually, I actually do have a good head kick for you. Let's go over to one championship. Check out this head kick, but watch the fall. Oh, God. Like yeah, there's the coffin. Just go right in, save the guy. Dude, yeah, how, we, we don't need to lift the body. Why is this guy beating up on another guy from the Lollipop Guild? Look at yeah, how short looks... this dude is on the left. Dime Store Tyson Griffin over there. Yeah, that is just wow. All right, Luke. Uh, Luke, luckily we do have talented people in this earth. Let's check out this big fella. He's figured out his one skill in life. It's definitely not haircuts. <laughs> Luke, there really are wizards out there who have bowling tricks that'll blow your mind. This guy's incredible. I mean, how do you juggle that big-ass ball and then you, yeah. Okay, okay, fat guy, no mask, doing his thing. All right. He didn't choose bowling, Luke. Bowling chose him. Um, Hey, you ever see a Russian wedding before, Luke? By the way, don't don't switch yet. How good of a bowler are you? Like, what's your high score? Um, maybe like 198. Uh, not, 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 not so good. You, I'm about my best ever is 200 or so, like right around there. That now, okay, that would be a fun thing to do over some beers, Luke. Okay, some bowling. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get, we should only do it hammered, hammered. Yeah, while the microphones are turned on, we'll do a live podcast. Each with us, you know, yeah, that's great. I got it. I got it down already. Deal, deal. All right, Luke. Um, this brings new meaning to a shotgun wedding here, Luke. Damn, this ceremony's so good. I gotta shoot some shit up, Luke. Uh, wow. I mean, it might be looking, but this might be Spider-Man meme time. Your first date was at the shooting range, true or false? Yeah, but um, wouldn't call this uh, firearm safety at its finest. <laughs> You're telling me Abuela didn't just get 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 an AK during the reception and just start? No, it didn't didn't happen. All right. No, no. All right. Uh, Scorpion King auditions continued this week. Luke, you sent me this fantastic video. I had the time of my life, and now my spine is fucking broken in two parts. I swear. I'm in a wheelchair. Nobody nobody paralyzes baby in the corner, Luke, uh, except for this guy. This is great (laughs) stuff right there. Oh, man. Wow. Does Does this mean I don't have to marry you now, bitch? Yep. Uh, uh, that's not the only Karen KO of the week, Luke. This lady right see, here. On this the is boat. this is why a shocker they're white, but b this is why as a man you should lift weights. You can tell, you know, fucking uh, what's what, what, what Tucker underneath here 
not been in a weight room anytime recently. Oh, oh wow. Dude, is she, honestly, whole... is she dead? Is she fucking I, dead? She, she's, not, she's not walking again, I'll tell you that much. I'd like to see you and the homeless guy practice this, Luke, in your front yard just to really get the, the technique down, right? Yeah, dude. Front, front raises. Homeless style. <laughs> it is that man's dream. Can you just let him cash in that ticket one time? By the way, I haven't seen that dude. Haven't seen that dude in weeks at this point. Yeah, he's, he's busy putting poop on the Capitol wall, Luke. Okay, thank you very much, sir. Yeah, All right, let's go over to Karen here on the boat, Luke. This is so regrettable, KO here. So what happens when you have too many white claws during the day, Luke? Wow, just like Luke. <laughs> that is what happens when you lose like a fish out of the cooler at the end of the trip. Look at this. Wow. One, two, bop, bop. And then you, you think it's put, over, you but put, no. You gotta, did, did she de- she's going to drown. She's yeah, they're not getting her drown. out of there. They're not getting her out of there. All right. Hey, look, you ever been inside a Canadian man cave? They're making huge advancements up north. Shout out to these people. Check this out. You would love this, right? Man, that's how cold my room is at night when I sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I keep it chilly. No women allowed in this cave, rightfully so. I like it's, le- it's wow. less no women allowed versus, you know, you're not going to convince a normal woman to get in this thing. But, you no, know. No, definitely not. Definitely Six not. one All way, right. half a dozen the other. Uh, Luke, check out this great feat of, uh, of, of boldness. Another thing Dana White won't do. What? Man, yes. I'm still wondering, and look at the splash of the lack of it on that one. That is incredible. How high is too high? There must be a mathematical equation for this. How high uh, can that, you actually do this? I put that this? equation to the test by filling up a tub with water, Luke. And I've tried, I've tried that before. You know, how high can we get here? Um, yeah, you can get too high, Luke. This is too high. No, I'm saying before you die from the jump. Well, I think it still depends on if you can enter as seamless as possible with toes or hands pointed in, right? There's got to be a point, though, at like at which the, the human skin can no longer take it or something. Yeah, or you just get a vicious concussion, whiplash, death, yeah. you know, upon entry. Yeah, I'd like to see that happen, Luke. All right, hey, um, you got to be careful. I know everybody wants to be an X-game superhero and do backflips off of cliffs, but not everybody should be on the rope swing near the creek, Luke. Uh, this guy takes a very, very <laughs> regrettable L here. Uh, this guy? Yeah, can we get him a oh. bell? Oh, my God. Good God. Hey, bro, we're going to go play this game where um, you actually just bounce <laughs> off of rocks. <laughs> oh, I the feel fa- the fatter guy. you are, the better. First of all, pull your pants up. I sound like my dad. But seriously. Blop. Oh, God. He may have. Wa- they may. Uh, he may live. I think he lived. True. He may have lived from that. Jay noticing that this gentleman is actually not white. This is a rare example. But you know what? I guarantee he was talked into this by his white friends. Guaranteed, hundred percent fact. <laughs> Somewhere Karen is laughing. She's having a big cackle. <laughs> like the guy right, holding hey, the camera, hundred percent guaranteed he's white. No big MMA this weekend, so let's celebrate some spinny shit gone right of the past year. Check this one out from ACA MMA. The man's name is Roman Ozdal. Whoa, God, Jesus. he picked. He chose that elbow from hell. Oh yeah, little little back action, little spinning back elbow. Mm. Yikes. That's nice. That's a nice one. Can you do that in a bar fight, Luke? Can you can you bring that into a I think it's possible. 
We'll have to ask that Jeff Goldblum look like guy if he could pull that off on the street. Uh, here's your dessert of the week. I never even thought of this till Hoagie Farts picked up on it. Would you eat this baked bean popsicle, Luke? Fuck no. What am I? <laughs> a raccoon? Are you out of your goddamn mind? Is this the new treat that Arby's is selling you, you fucking animal? <laughs> I would try it once. Just like the McDonald's hot dog, which I think I had it in like 2003. It was the grossest thing ever. Ever. Oh, my God. It was so thick. It was this disgusting. I would try this once. Definitely. Luke. Arby's. Definitely. Get diarrhea for cheap. Luke, yeah, have no, you good. have you been smart enough on a hot dog to put the baked bean down baked beans down on top of it and then the layer of ketchup over that? Have you ever done that? You are dude, we you need help. You need You've never you, done you, that? No, no Luke, you ever taken a hot dog, defecated on it, then urinated on it? <laughs> then had your dude, it's then baked had your, beans. You know, then had your baked friends beans is not a into delicacy a soggy biscuit. Where you're from? No, no, I've never done heinous shit. No. You never like line the inside of a hot dog bun with American cheese, then put the baked beans down, then put the hot dog on top, and then the ketchup on top. If you do it that way, it's a little bit of- Baked beans are for basic bitches. There's way better beans to eat than this kind of fucking Dinty Moore bullshit from Chef Boyar (laughs) fuckface. No chance. No no chance. No chance am I eating this. This is prison food, bro. Uh, we'll close with this family photo of the week. I went down to the Marietta, Georgia Public Records office and found this from your youth, Luke. Mm. Uh, your parents—they were looking—they were looking good, Luke. Not a bad, <laughs> not, not a bad look back in uh, back in '84, Luke. Look at that, yeah. Dude, what was that look, parent's name? <laughs> this guy on the left. All right, well, his left, but uh, our right. I mean, you can't you can't parody this. You can't parody <laughs> it. Is a, yeah, it's 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 a living, breathing self-parody. In fact, there's a parrot, Luke. I mean, what is going on here? Bro, that parrot oh, features yeah. prominently in this thing. I mean, yeah, wow, yeah. bro. And they got and the glasses tra- with the shades on, and she's got the K-bar oh, with the bayonet. Oh, man. That track jacket is fantastic. Oh, she also guy- has it on upside down, too. That's just kind of interesting, but okay. Yeah. You think this guy loves him some Alabama, some, uh, some uh, Conway Twitty? No. This guy has definitely had a hooker in his bed with pro wrestling on on the TV. What was the wife and that firearm present during this transaction too? The parrot, yeah. you know, the parrot was. I don't know about the bayonet, but the parrot was. Parrot was the a parrot knows to some where the crimes against are humanity. That's the thing. You got to be careful that you want to go before the parrot does. That this dude has definitely. This dude has definitely had Arby's wrappers on the floor. A prostitute in his bed while WCW Nitro was on his fucking TV. <laughs> Guaranteed lock. I would argue Dana White in the 90s probably had the same thing going on, Luke. Maybe. Maybe. That's a all hell right. of a picture, man. Thank you to Hoagie Farts for dominating today's Have You Seen the yeah. Shit. That's all the shit I got except for, Luke, a big moment in this show. We did okay. uh, screw the pooch right. a little. If full, full disclosure, I thought Jay was going to be on last week's episode when we did unveil the MTV video lip sync challenge game. I don't know what it's called. Does it really matter in hindsight? Luke, we brought on this video of producer Jay Aaron, a, by the way, a world renowned documentarian, a professional's professional. Keep going. But this was his younger prime Rutgers hooch chasing days, Luke. And you eviscerated this man based on the indefensible quality of this here video. Do you want to say anything before we give the floor to Jay to, to attempt at any length to save his soul here? No, I think 
I think at this point, what we needed to be, what we needed to say has been uttered. Now we need to hear from Jay and his oversized pants why he would do this in front of DJ Scribble. Jay? Those pants were not oversized, uh, first of all. Second of all, I, I was still a minor uh, when, this, when this was filmed, uh, contrary to the release form that I filled out and changed my birthday on. However, uh, this, is, this is living your best life. I mean, just me and Scribble and the beautiful Kim Smith. Um, Jay, a yeah. lot of talk in the YouTube comment sections about what happened between you and the other fellow in the red shirt so, as soon as this show went off. Did you, got, did you guys story. bang? Did you guys bang? No, no. <laughs> Funny story, you should mention that because I tried tagging him uh, in that video. Of oh, the, I'm sure you tagged oh, yeah. him, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I, I probably could have chosen a better... Uh, so what happened? What, what, you don't have to give his name away, but like, what is he doing with his life now? Aside from well, I don't undergo, have undergoing the, twenty the, years of grief the, counseling, it was in the clip. No, uh, I haven't. I probably haven't talked to him since this. Um, we weren't. We weren't. <laughs> Did you like, meet him friends. at a bathhouse, Jay? Is this where? Is this how this stuff starts, Jay? No. In all seriousness, we we uh, we were from the same town and we went to the same elementary school, and then we worked at a summer camp together this summer that this happened and then we saw the audition we're like hey you like to dance i like to sing let's uh you know let's make this happen so uh, i really haven't talked to him much since then and I, I looked him up and do you find when you look up like old friends from your youth that when you type their name in the first thing you get is like seven different legal things like this one's in jail that one's in jail all people with the same name maybe it's him i'm not sure but that was the best i could do to find him was somebody Say who got what? indicted and Karaoke. sent to prison. Uh, Jay, I don't even. I was like, Jay, hold on. I don't even understand the premise of the show because you both uh, so can't dance and you both show. can't sing. Oh no, I could definitely sing. Uh, this is the oh, number word. one. <laughs> this is the uh, this is the number one show on MTV at the time. It was called Say What Karaoke. Uh, it, it was in prime time. The idea was uh, it was you know MTV's overblown karaoke. That's it. That's all it was. Was yeah. there a hope or an expectation on you that this? Like was this before No Escape or not? Like where was this in the timeline? This was of in Jay the no, this was in the No Escape era. This was right uh, in the same year. So this this was the year two thousand. This was over twenty years ago, which is a little scary. But uh, yeah, No Escape was within months of of this uh, airing. Within months, and then the rock band came later. When, you never you know. know, Luke. Some executive could have been watching this and say, "Man, who's this? This this?" That was kind of the point there. Yeah, that was what we were looking for. You know, the the judge in the middle, who's uh, somewhere in this clip, is smiling adoringly at me. She uh, she was the model in the "It's Gonna Be Me" video for In Sync. Same person. And who is that? Is that Christina Milian? Kim, Kim Smith. You can Google her. She's gorgeous. We won this show, by the way. We did win. So what did you win? You Jay? don't see. Uh, so in typical MTV fashion, uh, nothing. You you don't win anything. <laughs> you certainly you just... don't regain your soul back upon leaving the building. No, that, no. Yeah. I, I do come with a challenge, though. Uh, about six months after this aired, there was another show on MTV called VJ for a Day. Um, and I uh, I was featured on that program as well where uh, they, um, they shaved my head on TV uh, to look like Justin Timberlake because it was the first time that he had shaved his head. Um, and that show features some clips that are Far more embarrassing. Uh, Brian Campbell, uh, you with your super sleuth ability, if you could track down that episode, it, it would be the greatest find that you ever made. I'm already bored with this conversation. Yeah, I don't have it. But it, I'm telling you, if you think this is bad, wait till you find my episode of VJ for a day. I don't That's have a heck it. Of a Jay, I don't you really don't hate me enough. Jay, now. this is like Jay. This is like looking at a terrorist attack and being like, if you think this is bad, I don't think it's bad. It's bad. Like it doesn't. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, Luke, do you add my look? It takes. I was so close here. So it takes close. some Mystic Mac level belief in yourself to to put yourself through this and take your swing in front of America. Do you respect the commitment, the devotion, the balls on one? No, Jay look at just the opposite. Right there. There Listen, it is. Look at that. no, just the look? opposite so. because I was the year two thousand. I was what twenty or something, nineteen or twenty. So I was doing. I'm not gonna say you know this kind of thing, but I was doing tons of stupid shit. But I wasn't you know. I wasn't putting it on camera. I was, you know, doing it in secret so I could get it out of my system. So that by the time I was trying to do something interesting with my life, I was a little bit more ready for it. Jay was like, "Fuck it, rough draft. Let's just let's just fire it out and publish it." Yeah, and, you, you uh, shouldn't be surprised got. at all. This shouldn't surprise you in the least bit. I thought this was totally normal. Yeah, completely, totally normal. Did you well, think Jay. leaving the studio this day, Jay, that this would help you get to your dream of being the next uh, Lance Base? Uh, I was Best. shooting more for the top for, for Mr. Timberlake himself, but I shot this the summer before I started college and I did think, and uh, this was pre-taped. So we shot it in August and it aired in like late September or whatever. I did think this would help me get laid in college. Uh, it didn't really have that effect. No. Okay. I'm right. done with this. Can we, uh, yeah. thank you, Jay. Yeah. I'm leaving now. Yeah. <laughs> Luke just woke up from his one night stand. He's like, "Oh God, we gotta, we gotta. You're out of here. Here's cab fare. Here's your Derek Jeter gift bag. You need to go. I'm just yeah. not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm. Do, I am done with this part of the conversation. Okay, BC. Time for odds and ends. What do you got? Uh, you know, I, I was touched by something. The, the, the length, the commitment, not of Jade to, to, to be so shamelessly in pursuit of fame, but to want Amanda Hebus's father. I believe his name is Marcelo who we found out through Amanda's Instagram account, put a tribute out there to his daughter, what he feels was her greatest accomplishment, making her UFC debut a few years back. Right now, of course, she's got a fight coming up uh, this this coming week, and she's obviously a, a potential big-time contender at either straw weight where she wants to compete or maybe even flyweight. But a couple years back, she beat Emily Whitmire in her UFC debut, and it was such a breakthrough moment for Amanda's fight journey. If you remember, she had been popped by USADA. It was supposed to be a two-year ban. Ended up finding out it was just a tainted supplement, so she ended up getting back into the game. So this debut meant a lot. Father was so proud, Luke. He got a freaking killer badass tattoo on his left forearm mm. of her choking Whitmire out and then had the belt added below as sort of something to shoot for. Um, This is a... It's a bold move. It's you know not necessarily Kevin Lee, but it's a bold tattoo move to get this. But not only is the art quality pretty damn awesome, Luke. Dude, Are you high? It's a pretty... I don't think that's a bad RT. I, I think that's Dude, artistic. That thing sound. is that thing is jacked. That thing is badly jacked. The line work. Well, here's is what I'll say, Luke. Mess I, on this thing. I want your breakdown on that in a second. You're a you're a girl dad. This is this is pretty awesome for, well, for any dad. I mean, this. for a dad to be this supportive is amazing. I'm sure he's a wonderful father. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, I love the spirit. Love the spirit. That thing is jacked. That thing is super What's jacked, jacked about that, Luke? It looks it looks fine to me, okay? You know? Yeah, well, you need glasses because, I mean, look at the lettering on U, F, and C. It's not lined up. The The piece behind it bows out on the bottom of the F. It's all different script on the glove. There's oh, no God. symmetry Luke, with the lettering. Luke, Let me finish. Please, please don't f- please don't fine-tooth comb it. I think from a it's snapshot. Not, dude, it's, not, it's, dude, it's, not, it's not fine-tooth comb, dude. It's, it's jacked. Those things have to be correct when you do them. If you look at her arm, 
the hand is much further away from the wrist than it should be for the choking arm. It doesn't make any sense. The shading is uneven. The line work of the uh, cage makes no sense. Dude, this is not like BC, you know, fuck all about tattoos. I actually know a little bit. I'm not an expert. I mean, I know a little bit. That's not a good tattoo. Not by any stretch. Well, Dana of White, I'd commission a four-minute video against your response just now. Uh, then, arti- artistic ability aside, Luke, uh, pretty awesome dad move. Okay, I know your yes. father doesn't watch this show. Hundred percent, two thumbs up on the dad move. Tattoo needs some work. Sorry, it does. It's All right. jacked. Well, I can't wait L- when the we the shading reach on the arms 000. is all fucked up. That thing is. That thing is. That thing is jacked. Wow. Okay, Luke. Uh, sorry. Uh, when we reach 500K and I get an MK-inspired tattoo, I'm sure we'll have you on to break down afterwards how bad it no, was. No, here's That's what we'll great. do. When we get there, I'm going to take you to a good place that does high-end tattoos. That's the difference. Look, this is very similar to the drinking episode we did that time. Uh, not going to tell the story about your lack of forgiveness for me being late due to the trials and tribulations of the New York public transit system, but your um, outright misogyny against the the power of a alcohol brand that turned out to be a sponsor of a sponsor of a partner that had to be i mean you think the pat tillman joke was a long-term distraction to our future this made the jmma episode look like nothing luke okay i don't know what you're talking about because that was a word salad of nothingness bring jay back in here jay doesn't know fuck all about tattoos either but i would love to get his perspective here jay what'd you think about that tattoo it's jacked right so interestingly, when I first saw it, when Brian sent it yesterday, I was like, oh, that's such a nice thing to do. That's cool. And as you've run it down, uh, yeah, you could see how it's terrible it is. It's full of errors. It's full of anatomy mistakes. Yeah. There's no symmetry in the lettering whatsoever. Such the line dick. work is such awful. A dick. But, but Luke, you have to understand how a simple guy from a factory town could look at that and just go like, oh, that's nice. You know? Jay, at least can you shame him for him, uh, you know, hurting our sponsor relations that time? I and mean, now we can't drink alcohol anymore on the show. I don't know how much I should say about that, but uh, let's just say you're recounting the event happened. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's what I would say. BC, you love to use ignorance and being from the factory town as a shield for it. Whereas I say, hmm, rather than being ignorant, maybe I should learn about these things. Huh? That's the difference Luke, do here. Do you tell Picasso what color to use? <laughs> what what point on his eardrum to incise it? No, you don't, Luke. Okay, you don't tug on Superman's cape. Here's the deal: there are a lot of shows out here, combat fight talk shows. You know what they are? Huh. They're talk. Okay, Luke. There's a lot of talk going on in this space. Uh, this what we do here. This is art, and sometimes art, Luke. Uh, people will not realize it's art. Like, what is art? You're, are we art? You're aware that Picasso wasn't art. the guy who cut his ear off, right? Yeah, that's why I made that joke, Luke. Uh, Jay, you got to stay mm-hmm. ahead of the game here. I'm always always two jokes ahead of you here. Right. Um. So, Luke, you know, art is subjective. It can't be. It can't be put in a box. You know what I'm saying? We're like, Luke. There will come a time years from now, probably like a true artiste, probably after we die. Where people will find this show and realize Tell you what, what we actually you go it. to your local tattoo studio to get good line work, what you think is good line work, and I'll go to somebody who's actually good at line work, and then you can tell me how your tattoo is just as good. Where I and come then you'll from, look at good mine, line and you'll be work. Like, holy shit, that's amazing line work. Where I come from, good line work means you know a guy who can get you an eight ball. You know what I mean? <laughs> look, the guy's an amazing dad. He's an amazing dad, but the tattoo is not good uh, at all. Okay, Okay. Uh, for my odds and ends, I'll keep it very brief because I don't want to spoil it for you, but Victor Rodriguez is a writer over at 
uh, Bloody Elbow and has put together a two-part series on one championship. And basically, here's the story. Uh, there's many different little component pieces to it, all of which are worth reading. Neither story is especially long, but I just mean it's broken up. But he talked to a bunch of fighters and uh, a bunch of managers and without revealing their names and found all kinds of problems. You guys know one will be like, oh, we have nine trillion viewers for a show. You didn't have nine trillion. Where we, we, we make more money than anyone else in MMA, and it turns out that they are burning through money, although they have raised a ton, but they are certainly burning through money at an enormous clip. Here they go through complaints about favoritism, mismatches, improper relationships with the, 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 uh, the, uh, the gym Evolve, and much more than that. There's a whole lot of things, including like um, not being able to post about injuries after fights on social media, really sort of restrictive uh, not being able to to say anything negative publicly, like, like right, right, you get... disparagement clauses, the whole nine yards. So I really encourage you to read that again. Whenever someone makes a claim about one, I can't tell you that it's false. When, something positive, like oh, Eddie Alvarez's contract is like nine, ten figures. I cannot tell you that it is false. What I can tell you is it is in your interest, and I said this on Joe Rogan's podcast too. It is in your interest to not accept any part of it at face value. Do not do that. So please read those articles. There you go. Very good. All right. I mean, yeah, I, I can believe <laughs> I can believe anything about one at this point, except for everything one says about one. Luke. All right. That's about <laughs> that's about all I got. Right. right that's there. that's a good that's a great way to put it. Exactly. That's exactly right. Uh, OK, right. BC. And I think Chatri just sent us a cease and desist for, for yes. saying that. We so, are probably right. banned from Singapore as it stands. Uh, yeah. What are you going to do? Luke, all they right. also booed Bob Dylan when he plugged in. Just a reminder on on the on that and what art really is and what we're putting out there in the universe. It doesn't know boundaries. It doesn't know race right it's it's you know it's just i think uh, it i say it luke okay okay if you want to follow morning combat on twitter or social media you certainly can it's morning combat everywhere same name with the m and the k but if you want to follow me and bc on insta or twitter it uh, varies of the names there so take a screenshot and give us a follow if you want uh we will do reader and i should say viewer submissions fan submissions on Wednesday, we'll do Dead Wrong on Friday. Best place to get those emails in to send us all that stuff, morningcombat at gmail.com. Morningcombat at gmail.com. That's the place to go. Uh, you want to try Showtime? You can. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go watch, I don't know, anything else that appeals to idiots. And, uh, yeah, you can buy some merch. Store.show, or is it show.store.com? I always forget that. Store.show.com. And uh, you can get some MK hats. You can get some tumblers. You can get some mugs. All kinds of good stuff right there for you. And uh, anything else, BC? Any final thoughts? Uh, I, you know, not, just basically art related. Like, you know, I think you got the gist of where I was going. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just, just, you know, art just... is not an excuse to have low standards. There's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Put that, put that, put that, put that, put that condom on your balls, there, Doctor Fauci. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, for everyone at Showtime and Malka at CBS Sports, that's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. Until Wednesday, may all of your gains be loyal.